0: To me, making music and and doing something that's different and um, it's a bigger gamble, but I think it's a bigger reward.
1: Every podcast has
2: an opening song. This is ours. It's not very long. Chase, I think our opening song needs to be a little bit longer. I'm singing more of our opening song to intro our show called Behind Two Blondes. Hi everyone. My name's Chase O'Donnell. And I'm Savannah Brown. Together, we started a comedy duo called Two Blondes. Every week, Savannah and I interview a successful millennial who is pursuing their passion in an attempt to pick up some pointers of our own and hopefully inspire you to get out there and do the same. Today, we are interviewing Spencer Riley. Spencer is a 20-something musician and recording artist. Uh, His music has been featured on various television shows, including ABC Family's Pretty Little Liars and MTV's Underemployed. Oh my goodness. He has a new EP called Spoonfed that is about to be released, so keep a lookout for that.
1: We are so excited to pick Spencer's brain and find out what it actually takes to pursue music.
2: Before we hop into our interview, we're going to fill you in on what we're eating for brunch because we only interview our guests over brunch. Savannah, what's on the Blue Apron menu today? Alrighty, salmon and
1: roasted potato salad with kale and pickled mustard seeds.
2: Wow. I mean, I've never even heard of mustard seeds.
1: That's why you gotta try
2: them. Yeah. I mean, thanks to Blue Apron, I'm eating the most delectable items. And stuff that I usually wouldn't eat. So Thank you, Blue Apron. Thank you, Blue Apron. And as a thank you to all of you listeners, we really, really do appreciate you guys tuning in. It's a dream of ours to have a podcast. So to continue us being able to record and live our dream, uh, we want to give you a thank you. And you'll actually be helping us out when you go to com slash two bond spelled T-O-O. By doing so, we're going to send you three free meals including free shipping so thank you thank you thank you um thank you thank you so who's joining us at brunch today spencer riley hi spencer thank you for joining us great great of course i'm drinking a mimosa today at my brunch savannah what's your brunch so i'm drinking a mimosa from you (laughs) (laughs) what are you drinking spencer
0: I am drinking a peanut butter chocolate smoothie.
2: Never have I ever heard heard of
1: that. Great answer. Jamba juice?
0: No. Jamba juices is good. It's a little too icy. It's But there's this place um, that makes really good ones in Huntington, and I'm learning how to try to make them like theirs.
1: Tell us what... It's a little
0: bit less icy, a little bit smoother.
1: So what do you Um, put in it? Peanut butter? (laughs) chocolate I'm not the
0: best at it um but yeah peanut butter uh chocolate or cocoa Mm -hmm. um bananas yeah there's lots of ways you can prove it it's a a pretty popular thing in California right now it's amazing
2: we've been out of California for too long
0: you have to try it yeah (laughs) there's there's a place in um I want to say Santa Cruz that makes the best
2: all right Chase Santa Cruz have you been to Santa Cruz
0: I have, yes. I went up to... I mean, I I have to be honest. I get a lot of those beach towns confused up there. But um, (laughs) the one I'm thinking is Santa Cruz. And I went to Big Sur for the first time this year. Oh, yeah.
2: So pretty. Oh, it's gorgeous. I mean, I've never been. I have. But I, I mean, from someone who grew up in California, I haven't... Like, I've been to San Francisco, but like... I haven't done Santa Cruz, Big Sur, Monterey, like all those amazing beach towns. So I can't say I'm a true Californian. (laughs) We'll do it.
0: What part of California are you from? Mm.
2: I grew up in a few different places. So I always say Southern California, but, um, Agora Hills. And then I also lived in Tustin. So close to you Oh, okay. Yeah. Very Very close. Yeah. Very close. All over. There were Santa Barbara, Malibu, L.A. In between all those, but those are like the two <laughs> places that I, the two main, places. yeah, I feel most connected to.
1: Now Spencer and I um, went to junior high together. We were in band. Um, I, yes, I, we were. I played the trombone. Were you, did you play the sax?
0: No, I played the drums.
1: You were in the d- I, you were in the I back feel like corner. You can't
0: just gloss over the fact that you played the trombone. You <laughs> have to explain the story behind that. Um. Yeah, <laughs> like, can just <laughs> say, I play the trombone, and Spencer, what did you do?
1: <laughs> I played the trombone because <laughs> I saw that every girl was playing the flute, and I just didn't want to play a small instrument that every girl played. Mm-hmm. So I played
2: That's clarinet. Awesome. I
1: you played clarinet. The girly but instrument, but it's because
2: I loved the recorder in fourth grade. We learned the recorder. Did you guys have to do that? No. Mm-hmm. I was stuck on the recorder, so I
1: transitioned. You anyway. played sax too.
0: No, I didn't.
1: <laughs> Did Abby play trombone or sax?
0: Abby played trombone. So Who both played you sax? Played trombone
1: Who's Abby? We... <laughs> Sorry, uh, Abby's so... one. <laughs> she was, she was first trombone.
0: And her, her and Savannah, and I yeah. played drums. Yeah. And it was us okay. three,
1: best friends in whenever, band class.
0: Whenever I was in a band class, I always weaseled my way to the drum set because I did not want to learn the glockenspiel because you have to know notes and you have to really mm-hmm. know The glockenspiel. Me. The glockenspiel is like a little xylophone oh, okay. or marimba kind of thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but it like bridges the gap between like an instrument like you would play with like notes. Yeah. And like, a percussive instrument because so you hit it, but it has notes labeled, okay. and so it requires a lot more homework than.
2: But the thing is, it seems like you play instruments that require notes these days.
0: Or I is... do. Okay. okay yeah.
2: <laughs> so yes, you did, transitioned out of that it,
0: yeah.
2: okay i'm yeah. still
1: on this who played the sax yeah i think you're thinking of someone I'm else kevin
0: Chudum, i think played the sax
1: oh my god kevin wow going back way back um who were you really close with
0: um <laughs>
1: who's your one of your best friends played the said,
0: sax you and abby oh well did sam sheridan did sam, sam sheridan, sheridan was?
1: played the sax thank there you, you i was like your best buddy played the sax. was there only one sax player there was a couple, but I, oh. I had, like, four friends in band, and it was Abby, Spencer, and then someone on the sax. Okay. But Spencer was always behind us, because we used to sit on, like, a little pedestal, and mm-hmm. then they moved us down, so we'd always make fun of him, because he was in the back alone.
2: Well, Savannah didn't keep up with the trombone. I think it's okay. not a secret, <laughs> but... <it>. That's unfortunate. <laughs> but I hear that you're a wonderful musician, so was that kind of the um, beginning of it all, or you always knew you wanted to be a musician... And you were excited for band in junior high.
0: Um, my dad grew up playing the drums and stopped. Um, he got married at 19, started working full time. And then and I don't think music was something he was ever going to pursue. But um, he was a professional drummer and Whittier, playing for weddings and stuff like that. Wow. And so I always watched him playing on the steering wheel in his car. And so I would try and copy him. Until he brought home a drum set when I was in fourth grade. So since I was home, that was right when I started uh, becoming homeschooled, so I would just practice for hours, like three to five hours a day, and then go to drum lessons. And then my mom got me into jazz bands at um, my old elementary school. And then I feel like I was always doing some type of talent show or oh yeah he did stuff like that until I got to junior high and then I did band and then started at the end and then from there it's just like
2: wow so you you've, you've been you've been doing this all your life it was kind yeah. of not even a question like of course so you were going to pursue music
0: set, it was game over for me and the funny thing is like I remember so even though I was homeschooled they have it so set up so there's social interaction so you still have Classes and we had what was called like Friday school, so we'd all go to a school where we'd be together with other homeschoolers, and they'd have a talent show. And I remember the first talent show; I was probably in like third grade. I don't think I played drums yet, so my mom made me do a poem, and I hated <laughs> yeah. the idea that I had to do a poem. And I feel like give I, us I a
2: line, it. give us a line. You have to I, remember. I,
0: I remember oh. when I performed it. So <laughs> no. I that, but. Um, I want to say that I started the drums at that time because I remember thinking there was another kid who was doing drums. I was like, I will never do another talent show where I'm doing a poem instead of <laughs> drums. And so from then on, I started strategizing and visualizing myself playing the drums in front of people. Visualizing
2: like, mm-hmm. at that young.
0: Yeah, I have a very vivid memory of being like, Okay, next year I'm gonna do whatever I have to do to be on the drum set. Wow. Okay, what has to happen? I'm not gonna do a poem. I, yeah. What? Well, what do you, you have
2: do you have a memory of the poem not going well, or you just didn't oh, yeah, like the fact?
0: Yeah, fa- yeah, yeah oh. I, I have a horrible memory. So when I switched <laughs> to singing, I then you know now I like poems and now I like lyrics, but still train I'm still having to train myself to remember lyrics it's just a whole other muscle in yeah. your brain Not something that, that
1: came- I yeah. struggle yeah see
0: <laughs> actors and actors slash singers like you guys that's probably insane
1: she's so good at it I'm quick at memorizing very quick oh my- and I struggle and the first time but I was she's comfortable- getting better I'm getting better but why Two Blondes kind of was created was cause not why it was created but being on stage I would I would go up and I would just have this deadpan look that worked very well and Chase would know I'm losing it and she would feed me a line and people thought it was all written and I'm yeah. like no it was like our first couple of shows I got better but... and just, <laughs> well, I just remember always that knew. oh I would just
2: well I Off. have dreams I have recurring dreams of being on stage and not knowing what I'm supposed to be doing I'm sure you, as an artist you do as well
0: yeah yeah, That's it's, like it's a usually for the chords a nightmare. It's a, yeah, it's a yeah. feeling of, of everyone's watching you, and you just want to do your job, and you can't. And you're you're unprepared. You're unprepared exactly. Yeah. So have you ever had uh, that? Dream? What are your tricks? Oh, yeah. Tricks? What are your tricks for memorizing?
2: Um, she knows how to teach me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to really understand why I'm saying it, and once I like know the thought, I have to like memorize the thought before the line. And then the thought will just spew out the line. So, like, yeah. rather than just like saying it to say it, I have to like really understand why I'm saying it and the purpose and all that. That's that, you're a good s- teacher. That's, I guess, what I do. But I don't know. I feel like because I've been when I here we go. It's a Disney <laughs> it's Channel yeah. reference, but I I talk about Disney Channel a lot. But when I was in high school, I was a big fan of Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. <laughs> And I would memorize the episodes and play all the characters, and I would just—that was my first like acting classes, I guess. But I would just memorize the whole entire episode, so I have like all these Sweet Life of Zach and Cody lines in my brain that I whip out time to time. But I think that's why I got
1: <laughs> Spencer's face right now. Is yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a high
2: school when I was doing that. A
1: little too. Do old. you struggle with chords? Um, <laughs> that's awesome, him? though. Do you struggle?
0: Yeah, with- uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So I have a lot of so. I spent a lot of my time always writing music and producing. And so I used to play a lot as a kid um, through junior high, probably to like high school. And once I got to college, I switched to mostly doing production. And I just like was exercising a different muscle, which Mm -hmm. was just creating and not necessarily learning or or reciting or performing, you know, Mm -hmm. so that I've had to post-college, revert back to kind of the performance element and and just ask my friends who do it all the time what are their tricks and 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 like what you were saying it's it's about knowing what the thought is and what the emotion is and that's what makes it art if I was just reciting the lyrics and Mm -hmm. then it's it's not art so it's figuring out how to put meaning into it and then that helps click with your brain and then it, it feels like you're acting or or at least like capturing something deeper than just reciting lyrics or whatever. So that's kind
2: of when you're singing, you're acting. There's a part of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because, um, you have to channel where you were when you wrote that song and Mm -hmm. new Mm -hmm. things could happen, but
2: you have to uh, go back to that place.
0: Yeah. You have to go back to that place. And, and sometimes you don't even realize as you're performing, like, Oh, this is, this is the connection I have to this song. And as you're performing it, you're like, oh, I understand this song, even mm-hmm. though I wrote it, I understand it more now that it's coming to life, you know? And so tricks like that, they're not really tricks. It's just, maybe it's just learning how to do it right, mm-hmm. you know, and how to actually, you know, pursue that passion mm-hmm. rather than just going through mm-hmm. the motions. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. I noticed when um, Chase, especially starting out, did most of the writing. And so it was so she knew it backwards and forwards because she had written the script. So when I would get frustrated when I'm trying to learn it, she'd be like, Savannah, I wrote it. That's why I know it. You're not behind because you're just learning it right now. I Mm -hmm. wrote it at home. I've gone through this so many times. And so now when we write scripts, she's such a good writer. But I have to do something on it because it makes me connect to the script in the same way. Totally. And that's what helps me lately with memorizing, like, Trump Sisters fast. That's so true. As I have to put some kind of input or... Do a basic outline before she starts writing, so uh-huh. I know what we're kind of doing too. So I was thinking, when you're involved when you're singing, in the writing mm-hmm. process, I'm sure the
2: memorizing helps.
1: comes easier when yeah. you write your own music.
0: Yeah, totally. But honestly, sometimes other people's songs are easy to memorize it's for true. me. I don't know why, just because like you know they're uh, more linear storytellers than I am, and mm-hmm. so like I, although I found artists that are not linear and that's harder than what I do, but like learning other people's and learning mine like it's it's a muscle that just has to be exercised more for myself
1: now when i first um got back in touch with you um following what you've done you were riley and the roxies Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and i read your wikipedia page very impressive you guys were signed with an agency who represented people like ingrid michaelson in the civil war um was that a huge moment and when did this happen and maybe explain the process of how that name came about and and what you are now. yeah that's a so six thing i
0: like it. joke about um the way that things have evolved because when i did run the Seas it became a solo project so by the time i was signing as a solo project it sounded like a band but it was it was just me and now that is spencer riley um i switched to spencer riley just because the confusion was too much but it's mm-hmm. still confusing because now i have an actual band that plays with me. So it's like, <laughs> I'm a solo artist, Spencer Riley, who writes and produces with like a group of guys, you know, and so they all help me do my thing and, and they gig with other people and they're full-time musicians. But um, it, it kind of flopped on I me. Mean, when I was riding the rocks, I always wished it was a band, but I just could never pull together the logistics to do a full band. Ah. So always, you have to feed your band. You have to keep your band employed, you know, so um, it became a solo project and I was writing and that's why um, TV and film work was happening was because I was able to produce a lot of music and it caught the attention of people who needed songs for shows. And, and it's a uh,
2: how, how did it that. catch attention of shows?
0: Um, well, I was a film major in college okay. and so um, it was always a goal of mine to get, like to see my music on like a trailer or a yeah. TV show. Or something. And so I remember telling a drummer that was playing on the first Ryan and Roxy's EP, and we're talking about the goals. It's like I want to hear this on like television, and it didn't happen, like not at all. And then the next EP, it happened. So like it was a crazy thing, and um, it's a it's the way I always describe it to people is like it's an element of what you do as a musician. It's not your main thing, you know. Um, you have a bunch of revenue streams coming in when you're an artist. It shows, you know, your merchandise, your licensing with TV and film, and all that. And you have to capitalize on all of it, you know. And I think a lot of people love the idea of just sitting at home and producing music and then hearing it on television, but you you do hit a ceiling with that. So it's like, the best way to do it, I think, is to make records um, and look for the right opportunities to pair it up with a cool television show or something that makes an impact. Um, But it paid my bills through college and I was doing music full time. Oh, um, oh, okay. You were
2: doing that in college.
0: Yeah, so at 19, that's when I got signed to that agency. That was the second EP for Ryan the Roxies. And then I did a third EP, and by that point, I was producing other artists and kind of building what I'm still building now, which is like some kind of music group of like either a label or management or just development. And so I started as a producer um, contacting artists that I felt like could um, do something cool and and producing records with them and kind of going in almost like we were a band, like, let's just do this record together and see what happens. So, um, that's kind of how it all spiderwebbed. And now it's kind of coming back into the main focus of doing my project, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and still want to, I still want to produce for people and all of that. But, um, it feels like now is definitely the time to do it just because of the band that I found that's played on the record and written some songs with me and, you're
1: focusing it's finally, on you.
0: Yeah, in full circle, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, Wow, that reminds me, but I can't remember the name, so I might have just shot myself in the foot. Um With Levine and, uh, oh my god, it's on Netflix. It's that huge documentary that just came out. Um, <laughs> I want to look oh, wow. it up. It's a huge documentary about um, Levine, uh, who represented... Yeah.
0: HBO. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: What's it called? I haven't seen that. It's like crazy ones or the wild ones. Oh, my God.
0: It was so good. Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre and Jimmy
1: Iveen. Yeah. And it was... Have you seen it? I don't know what you're talking it's about. It's so inspiring. It's a producer and... Oh, how, you haven't seen it yet, though?
0: No. You need to see saw it. I see it. Yeah, it's totally. It's
1: so inspiring, but their process is unbelievable. They signed early on, had to move labels and management, and... But they're yeah. just geniuses. Dre is a genius. Yeah, those guys
0: are those guys are next level and you have to have that vision if you want to do it for the rest of your life because i've learned that you know a lot of musicians think about their 20s mm-hmm. and they don't think about their 30s and 40s but if you were to ask people oh who's your favorite artist chances are they're probably not 20 they're probably 30 or 40 they're or older. It, it takes a long time to develop it and you have to have the imagination for your whole career you and know what and Jimmy so
1: I've been had. it's insane it's similar to yeah. what you're saying.
0: And as a producer, a lot of my favorite producers are 40, you know, and it's, I always tell people, you know, 40 is the new 20, 60 is the new 40, like, it's, it's a mentality. And so like, it's up to you to take care of your career and like expand it through your wow. whole life. Cheers and
2: so cheers to that. Uh,
0: that's
1: so, so true. So yeah,
0: those, those guys are a prime example of that. And but there's no is that need But that's what to you're doing kind of like in
1: a simple, in simple terms, is that... Are
0: you the Jimmy Iovine mean, or that, the uh, That would be the dream, yeah, to be able to... Um, I always tell people that, like, the tra- trajectory that I would love to um, take inspiration from is uh, Pharrell and Mark Ronson. Um, there's another producer, Paul Epworth, or um, the lead singer of the Black Keys, Dan Auerbach, I want to say. Um, they've done the artist and the producer... Um, They've done both of those roles. And so I think that's something that I want to do and,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: expand. And there's tons of other stuff beyond that, like producing films that they've done and DJing well, and all that stuff.
2: It seems like just from what I've heard from you, you're, you're very good at visualizing and making things happen. Like, I think the visualizing part is so huge that people kind of don't even talk about it. But it seems like just by being like, I want my songs on TV, and then the next mm-hmm. year it happens, just having that goal, that's so important, and I feel like yeah. you have that. And you
0: guys, I, I was laughing because when I heard, when Savannah told me about the podcast, I was started listening, and I was like, oh, my gosh, these people are, like, saying exactly what I needed to hear, too. Um, oh. The Flawless by Friday, I love that We loved her, too,
2: yeah.
0: The, she's so... Um, she's so committed to her vision Mm -hmm. and she has the language to describe it and inspire other people. And I think as an artist, I think a lot of artists are tempted to be the like type B artists and say things like, Oh, I'll let my manager, I just need a manager. So they'll take care of that. I just need an agent. So they'll take care of that. You know, I have the talent, but Mm -hmm. I need someone to do this for me. And I think that artists create their own problems sometimes with doing that because you basically talk yourself out of, the conversation yeah. you know you're telling people around you that you shouldn't be in the meeting with them that you shouldn't read the fine print that you just need to focus on making your art and they can focus on all the other stuff mm-hmm. and then there's the perception that actors don't make money musicians don't mm-hmm. make money we can but that couldn't be, could be more false when you're talking about the industries like yeah. the film industry and the music industry make
2: Makes so, so much, much. money
0: <laughs> yeah so and it's hard because it's hard when you feel like your motivation is money but Um, once you've made your art, you have to be able to switch. And sometimes it even has to happen before that, but you have to switch into the business mode and protect what you've done, but also be open to criticism and advice from business people who specialize in that. So it's not just saying that you don't need them, but making sure that if the roles were swapped, both of you in in the artist, you know, agent, artist, manager relationship, would feel comfortable and not feel like, oh, so if we swapped roles, would you feel like you were taking advantage of me? You know, and and so oh, I think so that,
2: yeah, I
0: think that it's got to be an equal relationship. And um, artists, you know, they're the CEOs of their companies, and and you need, you know, a board or you need you need collaboration, mm-hmm. but you need to stay in control of all of that. And so without having a vision it's never going to happen because you'll yeah. finish your project and then you have to figure out the next step. And if you're already trying to figure out the next step after your project, it's too late. Yeah. And so I've had a lot of people just give me that really hard, critical advice as I was younger and I try to just spit in. It's yeah, hard. totally.
1: All right, folks, this is just a reminder that Blue Apron has sponsored our lovely meal today and it is delicious isn't it chase uh, they
2: they haven't sponsored our meal they've sponsored our podcast oh and by doing so we've been eating amazing meals so they sponsored our meal yeah i guess they did in the overall if you want to have a meal sponsored by blue apron head to blueapron.com anyone can do it blondes and uh get in on this fantastic sponsorship thing be as cool as us.
1: Do you struggle switching hats, as my mom would say? Um, oh, totally.
0: Putting yeah, so different. Hard. Yeah, so hard. Um, and when I, I just moved into a studio in LA, and I have two spaces—one where I can like do emails and and feel like I could put on the business hat—and then one where. I only make music in. So. Savannah
2: and I keep looking at each other because you're so wise. And there's so many things. We're just like, yeah, We're amen. just figuring out now. Amen. It <laughs> seems,
1: seems like you've already figured it out that Chase needed a different workspace.
2: Um, oh, yeah. Uh, it's too hard just to be in your home and work.
0: It is. And to me, my work is like a pet. And I want to be with my pet that I love. And so it's like, it's hard to walk away from it sometimes. Because the fear is that you're going to walk away from it and love it. You know, you're going to yeah. be enjoying... Your day at the beach, or you're sleeping in, or all of that, and then it's hard to get back in it, you know. Yeah. So it's you have to be like an athlete, and I always oh, I'm inspired Love by Kobe, who wakes up at like 4 a.m. and is in the gym by 6 a.m. or wow, and doing all these, and he's retired. And so to me, that's really how you have to do it if you have that vision. I mean, it's not for everyone. Not everyone wants to do that. Mm-hmm. They want to have a healthy, balanced lifestyle, and and that's not always something that's possible if you want to obtain
2: have you ever gone through phases where you do feel overworked and like man I wish I did just have a normal job or do you have you always had this like nope I don't care what it takes yeah
0: I I had a normal job when I was 19 I was a busboy and (laughs) that was the biggest motivation for doing music full-time because not feeling in control having to put on a uniform you know having to obey little rules. I'd find any way I could to entertain myself and entertain my employees. And I was not a good employee. And so, um, right after that, I started the path of going full-time music because wow. it was too hard.
2: When did you, when were you able to support yourself just doing music?
0: Um, I had, um, cause that's, the I dream. mean, I, mm-hmm. I I mean, you have to have the humility to, if you're, if you live with, in a town where your parents are, that you just live in your parents' house, you know? And, I agree. And I,
2: uh, <laughs> we know. I, was Us too.
0: Yeah. I was ready to move out, um, at, I am going to say 23 or 24, but I felt like it's worth waiting for the right spot and the right time. and
2: Like just and, saving that money.
0: Yeah, just saving, you need capital, you know, and so, um, especially in LA or New York, and so I think that becoming independent is super important. I probably would have done it sooner if I were to go back, Mm -hmm. Um, but my fear was that I would move into an apartment where I couldn't make noise, and that it would be a wash at that point, so I didn't want to have to live somewhere else and then drive back to my studio in my parents' house, so I finally found a big enough space that I could Customize and build with my buddy. And so now now it definitely feels like that was the right time. And, and sometimes the stuff that takes longer than you want, there's a reason why. And mm-hmm. so you just have to be really open and ready to, like, jump off the deep end mm-hmm. for when the opportunity comes. And for me, that's in Skid Row. So my studio's in Skid Row, which is... Wow. For people not from Los Angeles, that's like a shock. Or for people from Los Angeles, that's but, a shock. Yeah. You don't know what Skid Row is. It has a huge homeless population... Um it's right in between the arts district and downtown LA and for me it's the perfect location well, I love it Skid
2: Row I guess growing up in LA it's it was always like oh don't go to Skid Row like stay <laughs> yeah. away from Skid Row but I feel like yeah. now it's probably a Jeez. lot safer and the name has yeah, just and, stuck
0: And it's you know it's not for everyone um, there's you know when you have homeless people you have mental illness and you have but you also just have a lot of normal people. So it's like, I just see homeless people as poor people who the system didn't work out for. So I don't feel threatened, but I mean, it's not something that I think everyone feels comfortable with. And there certainly is um, a danger element when you have so many people living out in the streets together. Um, And so there, there, you have to be wise, especially when you're running a studio, you know, we want people to feel safe when they come in and, and all of that, but um, I've never had any issues with um, people, and my, my buddy's been there for, like, seven to eight years, and he's never had issues. Um, I think it's just, like, a mentality, you know, if you come in with the right mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, people over there are honestly really good people and really um, easy to get along with. I just think it's it could be hard if you're the type of person who wants to control everything. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you're the type of person who driving from your studio to you know wherever you're going if you're gonna try and fix every problem that you see as you go and lose track of the big picture then it could be frustrating for sure because (laughs) you'll see people that you know that you want to see them thrive and you know maybe it's not happening yet or or maybe just as a as a whole the problem of homelessness can be frustrating to tackle um but i think there's so much to learn especially as an artist to be around real life happening and not Trapped in the suburbs where everyone's not making art, you know the the homeless community over there, and just the community of downtown LA and the arts district is extremely creative.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's, I think yeah, that, downtown LA is a lot like New York. I always I do totally, I feel like yeah. good energy though. Totally.
0: Yeah. So you just have to be open to you know whatever community you live in and be supportive of that. That's
1: really beautiful. I mean, really beautiful. I have a question I that's like been that. driving me nuts. What in a good way? You have a new album coming soon. EP, yeah. And it's called Spoonfed? Yes. Where did that name come from?
0: So the name, um, I'm, I've had this like habit of picking names that I like the sound of, but this time I was <laughs> really trying to make sure that there's depth in what I do and that I'm not just making music. You know, a well, lot of people love music, so they just want to make music.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So with Spoonfed, um, the idea was kind of connected to why I went to Skid Row. Is I grew up. My parents, um, weren't rich. Um, they didn't inherit money there. My mom's dad was a janitor. My dad's dad was a world war two veteran who was a mechanic and handyman. And they created a life for me that was totally enough for what I needed. I would say Mm -hmm. I lived a great life without having to need anything. You know, we weren't rich. We weren't, um, we didn't have a ton of stuff growing up, but I was taken care of, you know? And so, um, To the point where the more they pushed, the harder that they worked, they were both challenging me to do what I love because that's why my grandparents worked so hard and that's why my parents worked so hard. But the fear is that I'm going to lose that opportunity that I've been given if it doesn't work out. And so you could become spoon fed, you could become afraid of, you know, the opportunity and it's a hard wow. balance because you want to respect That's, what your I, parents have done for you and not not throw it all away yeah. but um also you know you kind of have to be defiant to create the next you know generation like my grandpa I feel really connected to and his story is just so insane that I felt like he never took the safe route and but he provided for my dad who took the safe route and providing for his kids and all of those things and so now I feel like the pattern changes again where I'm copying my grandpa, you know? And Mm so, um, I think I have to, because it's so hard for me to process that. Okay. My grandpa was at 12 years old, providing for a family of like eight people, you know, and like working on the railroads and I'm going to just sit at the desk and like enjoy my privilege or, you know, so Mm -hmm. to me making music and, and doing something that's different and, um, it's a bigger gamble, but I think it's a bigger reward, um, to me is, in honor of that and and not choosing not to be spoon-fed even though it's a gift that they've given me you know they (sighs) they want to provide stability for me what
2: an amazing answer that was a great question too Oh, thank you. i did not have that in mind with the name spoon-fed and it's it relates a lot like it was hitting home for me too i feel like a lot of kids in our generation maybe feel that way because of how the generations have kind of gone we're this generation that the parents are saying you can do whatever you want to do. Go do that. Yeah, if you're lucky. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I was thinking like, wow, we do have a lot of friends that are pursuing their passion because we've been getting pretty much people we know on the show. And it is true though that a lot of millennials are going for it. But then you, yeah, have- which I
0: think is a great thing. Like, yeah. I think, I think we have to because. Yeah my grandpa, his uncles, his dad, they all worked for the same railroad company. So th- th- when does that happen anymore? That you all work for one corporation that yeah. runs and provides for your whole family, you know?
2: Yeah. Um,
0: my dad worked for the same company and still does since he was 19. So, like, I, I don't think it's the safe bet to go work for a corporation for the rest of your life. I don't think that culture exists anymore. And I think that the older generation... Can kind of be pessimistic about the millennials that they created you know they told us we could do everything they told us to go to college they told us to get educated and i feel like there's a little bit of an awakening moment of okay mm-hmm. i'm not gonna go take that corporate job because i feel like to me that's selling out what why did i go to college to learn what i learned or why did i spend mm-hmm. 10 to 15 years learning how to create my own business if i'm just gonna go yeah. work for someone else you know and so I think it's a good thing and I think um we not it's not for everyone in that some people's life path doesn't take them that way and and they don't want that and so I think if someone does want that I, th- I think they should be supported in doing it but everyone around them has to understand it's a huge risk and it could fail mm-hmm. and um uh, and if what you I do love
2: it, yeah Sorry, what I love is that you you are just going for it, even though it, there aren't any... I mean, there's no security in what all of us are doing, but it, it's just, like, having that vision, tying it back, like, that's what has to keep you going.
1: And you've already technically made it. And, I mean, we're artists, so we'll have never we'll never have made it. But, I mean, to have two of your songs already on major TV shows and movies, I think... Having an EP coming of, out. Like, you're doing it. And I think Thank you. I, that's, yeah, I mean, that's
0: that's cool to hear from you guys. I mean, it's
1: when you're in it, it's different. I know <laughs> it's when
0: you're in it. It's different. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. and so, uh, to me it's like I said, you, you see as yourself, you know, what's your path, what your map is and you know where you are on that map, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, I think you have to be grateful and you have to recognize the successes mm-hmm. that it happened. you know? And, and for me, that is the television shows and, um, being able to do this full time. And so, but it's also like, I, I just don't want to be complacent. And I think yeah. um, that could be challenging for people to be around, you know, it's like, dude, we made it. This is what we wanted, you know? And then it's like, no, we no. still have to do this this, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and finding the right people who have the same goals, I think has helped me a lot because yeah. my band now is just as concerned about the things that I'm concerned about. So,
1: so are you going to go back to uh, Riley and the Roxies or... Because um, you now have that group, or are you going to keep it as a solo? Yeah, so
0: the way, the way that I envision it um, is that I think there's, like, this new model for a musician where it emulates what an actor does. So I always tell people,
1: mm.
0: when you're a musician, the way people view you is, say you're Jennifer Lawrence, they see you as Katniss. They don't see you as Jennifer Lawrence. So they're, to, mm. the, to them, it's like, I love what you do. I love your work. You did Hunger Games 1. <laughs> Hunger Games, two, Hunger Games three. I can't wait for Hunger Games four. Yeah, and then Hunger Games five. And if it's too similar, they're like, "Oh, why you just did the same thing." But if it's too different, it's we're not in Hunger Games anymore. Mm-mm. And so for musicians, they get trapped Exception. in that. It's the album cycle. It's oh, I loved your first album. I can't wait to hear the next one. I know it's going to sound similar, right? And so to me, different taking on different projects and being having side projects is the way of me being able to be that consistent character that people look for. Cause I, I like that as a listener, mm-hmm. but also being able to do different roles, you know, at than the rocks I don't think I'm ever going to like close the book on that because, um, there's an audience there. And I think that it's just a fun way to stay busy, you know? And so mm-hmm. Spencer Riley will have to take the main focus. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always, like, stuff that I find that I'm like, oh, this would be cool to just, like, leak out and share with people who have been waiting for Ryan in the Roxies to make it. Or, you know, yeah. and so um, it's a lot of it's transferring over that audience and yeah. getting them up to speed with what's happening. Um, but also, I don't know, to me, I view it as there's a YouTube channel, there's um, a Spotify uh, page, like, Why Can't I? upload little things here and there and so um, keep,
1: keep it going you can keep multiple yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um now where can people find your music um your social media handles um, um
0: yeah so the most active on my website right now which is co. okay um Dot and then and then uh on instagram it's spencer riley underscore underscore
2: great so <laughs> two underscores
0: ways, uh, to find what i'm doing um and i'm sure things will be expanding as um start and you've got a huge a- youtube
1: following and um great videos on the
0: on the rocks page yeah so um i have another project called the tbc where i feature a lot of singers and i kind of compare that to um what like diplo and all these producers do where they'll create a like a, almost like a brand and uh, they'll do major laser or jack U or these other things and they'll just have features and oh, it's a cool way to collaborate so the tbc a lot of the television placements and the films okay. and all those um shows and stuff that a lot of that came from the T V C. okay um, collaborating with people and featuring other vocalists and co-writing and that. So the TVC is on Spotify and right. there'll be TVC releases as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's another exciting project so that much people can. Going on. Oh.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for, I don't know, taking the time to sit with us. I want to
1: hear so many more. I have so many more questions. But...
2: I know. I know. This is so fun, though. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm excited to listen. I've I was listening to some... What Chase speak? I was listening to some of your songs before, and they all were super catchy. Like, su- I really am a fan, so I have to okay, go back cool. and listen to, to all of it. I don't
0: know if I've sent you guys the new EP yet, but oh, you have not. i over to send you guys. For to listen to it.
2: Awesome, love to hear thank it. you.
0: I, I just want to say that you guys doing a podcast is like the coolest thing ever. I love podcasts. I listen. To podcasts I do too. All time. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, my whole band. Where everyone listens to podcasts because musicians drive a ton. Yeah. So we're all Aww. going hard. So um your guys' podcast. Um it's awesome to tell people because I'm like, Oh I'm gonna be on a podcast They're like, oh cool. I'm like, yeah, they have someone from sneaky peak because like we're <laughs> we're so like we watch shows like crazy and podcasts and when you can like blend those two things together by having actors on awesome shows that's the coolest. Aww, thing
1: ever. you just want to hear what they have to actually say in real life and lee bay's incred- oh exactly lee is incredible have you seen her on I haven't it,
0: listened oh. to it yet because i just started watching the show okay. and i want to watch the whole show and then listen <laughs> but Cute. i think you guys doing a podcast. well so cool.
2: you're one of our favorite guests so far not even just, just saying just, it. Just putting it's it out there. That was a really wonderful interview, and I feel like I took away so much from it. So, Cheers, Spencer. Cheers. That's our show, and now we're saying so long. Tune in next time
1: on Behind Two Blondes.
2: The Behind Two Blondes podcast is brought to you by FOU Studios and recorded at Face Off Unlimited headquarters in Astoria, Queens. The show was created and written by Chase O'Donnell and Savannah Brown. This episode was produced and edited by Chase O'Donnell. Executive producers are Joe Tex, Jay Painter, and Eric Robinson. FOU Studios is a property of Face Off Unlimited, LLC. I'm Brian Walters, the senior producer here, and on behalf of everybody who worked on this show, we'd like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Subscribe to catch all of our other podcasts here on the FOU Studios Podcast Network. To learn more, connect with us via social media at FOU Studios and visit us at FOUstudios.com. Boom!